Well, good morning. Um, my name is Jeremy Johnson, as John had said. Uh, I lead a community, a worship community called Revive. It's a young adult worship community that meets on Thursday nights uh, at our West Des Moines campus. And um, just want to just extend a very warm greeting to all of you, especially those of you who might be visiting the Des Moines campus for the first time. And we say it a lot at Hope, and we don't believe it's an accident that you're here. We believe that God, God is at work, and God is moving, and God, God has brought you here today. It, whether you know it or you don't, God is working in your life and has huge plans. And so um, I just want to also say thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me come and share with you this morning because it's a powerful story that we have to share. The movie clip that was just shown is from a movie called Invictus. My wife and I watched it not too long ago, and as I watched the movie Invictus, I was, I was struck. And one of the things I was struck about was the fact that um, how almost surreal the circumstances seemed to be. And then I remembered that it's a true story. It's a true story that documents, well, what was going on in South Africa, what was going on as Nelson Mandela takes the presidency of that country. In 1948, South Africa, they instituted, the government sanctioned something called apartheid. Apartheid literally means apartness. It was government-sanctioned segregation. And it made the whole world outraged that the government would come in at this point and say that, that there were people who were on the inside and people who were on the outside. And as a nation, they literally took all the people who weren't white and segregated them into different communities. Seven regions nationwide, the people were forced to go live. It was, I mean, it was an atrocity. But yet the government sanctioned it. Nelson Mandela, he was an activist. He saw exactly what was going on. And he saw exactly that, that in him he had, he had this gnawing, this sense of urgency within him that he had to do something because what he saw that was taking place in South Africa was so incredibly wrong. And so Nelson Mandela couldn't sit still. There was an urgency to what needed to be done. So Nelson Mandela, he becomes this activist, this outspoken voice that cries out to what the government of South Africa is doing. And for Nelson Mandela, it caused, well, it caused him 27 years. For 27 years, Nelson Mandela is, is put into prison, a prison called Robben Island, a prison where, where they sent the most vile of criminals, the most dangerous of criminals, the people that they wanted to separate the most, Nelson Mandela was sent there. And for 27 years, Nelson Mandela sat behind bars. Nelson Mandela, he gets out, and in 1992 they ruled that apartheid should no longer be a government-sanctioned thing. And in 1994, they hold an open election. Over 20 million people show up for elections in 1994, and Nelson Mandela is elected president. You see, he took a stand. 
He stood for something that was greater than himself. But as Nelson Mandela becomes president of South Africa, he sees that the apartness that once ruled their nation isn't going away the way that they had hoped it would. And so Nelson Mandela goes out and he tries to see how on earth they're going to bring about change in this nation that seems so incredibly divided. He finds himself at a rugby match, a sport that's popular in South Africa, a sport that I know nothing about. It's a bunch of guys that get in these things called scrums, and I don't even know what they're doing, but uh, he sees that in South Africa it's very popular. He goes to one of their country's matches, and their country's team is named the Springboks. And the Springboks, their colors are the old South African colors. So this team stands for everything that had gone wrong over the past almost half a century. And Nelson Mandela sees that in order to start to bring about change, he's going to have to, well, he's going to find a, have to find a way into the people. So he works with this man named Francois, Matt Damon, in the video that was just shown. And he calls Francois into his office, and Francois is the captain of the rugby team. He's the captain of the Springboks. And as those two are sitting down, as those two are discussing, he asks a very poignant question. He says, how do you, how do you find leadership? Francois says, well... I find it by being an example. He says, well, how do you inspire people? How do you inspire people to, to take a stand for a cause that is bigger than what they have inside of themselves? When we're facing something as great as a country that's being divided, Nelson Mandela asks him, how do we get people to be inspired to follow a vision that's going to go against the popular opinion of so many people. Francois, how do you do it? He says, what I did in Robinette Island was I had an anthem. I had an anthem. I had a story. I had a writing that would inspire me, that I could stand behind. And Francois says, well, that's the same thing we do before games. We find a song that we can play, that as a team we can listen to, that will get us ready for the match. The question for you this morning is, what's your anthem? What's your story? What is the anthem that your life follows? What is it that inspires you? What is it that you follow? What is it that calls you to situations that oftentimes appear to be so much greater than what you have inside of yourself? Pulling Francois in, Francois knew that what Nelson Mandela was asking him to do to get behind the new South Africa was going to cause him to risk so much. What is it that you need to stand behind? What is it that is calling you, that gnaws at you deep down inside, that calls you forward even though what you're being called to seems, well, it seems to be so risky 
it seems to threaten you so much socially, personally, maybe even financially. I did youth ministry for about six years and one of the kids in my youth group was a kid that I saw that was at constant war within himself. His name was Christian and Christian was a very popular kid. Christian was a very good looking kid. The other kids would flock to Christian but as I would watch Christian I could see that he was constantly conflicted. And oftentimes I'd meet with Christian and I'd ask him, Christian what's going on? You see, because there were certain times where Christian would seem to, well, he'd seem to separate himself. There were times where he'd be with people and it was like everything would glaze over. He wasn't even present. I remember talking to Christian's mom at one point and she was very concerned because there was something going on inside and she said, I, I talk and talk to him about it, but there, it's like I'm talking to a brick wall. Oh, not too long after that, Christian didn't show up at youth group anymore. Not too long after that, he turned 18 and basically he told his mom, I'm done with you and I'm done with everything you've ever been a part of. And Christian left their house and Christian went and started living a life that terrified his mother. I'll never forget the phone call I got from her when she called me and she said, Jeremy, something needs to be done. Someone needs to take a stand. Someone needs to stand up to what's going on in Christian's life. She said, but Jeremy, it is so scary. It's so scary because I fear that if I, if I take a stand with what Christian's doing in his life, I fear that I'm going to lose him for good. She said, Jeremy, what do I do? What do you do? What do you do when there's something going on in your own life? What do you do when there's something that's going on in the life of someone that you are around? What do you do when you have a family member that needs somebody to love them enough to take a stand for them, to go out on a limb for them, but to go and do that will cost you, well, it will risk you seemingly so much. My dad is, was a pastor at the church I grew up at and I think every year during Sunday school his my Sunday school teachers were always excited because the senior pastor's kid is going to be in the class but quickly they realized that that wasn't a good thing that in fact the senior pastor's kid was well he raised a lot of chaos and so I kind of sometimes jokingly refer to myself as a Sunday school dropout because oftentimes I would I mean, it's embarrassing, but oftentimes I would get kicked out of class and I would have a piece of paper that I would have to have signed by the senior pastor to get let back into the Sunday school class. So I would march into my dad's office and I'd say, Dad, I need you to sign a piece of paper. He's like, oh, what? Did you get your memory work done? No, I got kicked out. But there's one thing about Sunday school that I remember, and that's a story of a of a little guy. Story of a little kid, a, a little man named Zacchaeus. Even if you aren't a Sunday school dropout, you might remember the story, the song that you often sang. It was Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. 
He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Remember the story? It's in Luke 19. Zacchaeus is this wee little man. He's a man that's really short. And Zacchaeus hears that that Jesus is going to be passing through his town, that this man named Jesus, this man who has a ground swell of followers, this man who's gaining notoriety, this man who's, well, who's had radical transformation take place every place he's been. Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming through town, so Zacchaeus wants to get a piece of Jesus. Zacchaeus wants to see, but Zacchaeus has a problem. You see, because Zacchaeus is small, and as the crowds gather to see Jesus pass by, Zacchaeus is scared because he's not going to be able to get a glimpse. But I think that there's a lot more going on with Zacchaeus. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man. Zacchaeus lived in this place called Jericho and Zacchaeus had sold himself out. He'd become a tax collector. What that meant in Jesus' time is to become a tax collector was basically to to sell out all your friends and your community members to go to work for the Roman government, to stand in oppression, to go and gather the taxes where they were very much overtaxed. And not only that would you be the person that would go collect the taxes, but the tax collectors would become rich because they would go and they would hike the amount of money that each family owed so they could skim some off the top and put it in their own pocket. You see, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Zacchaeus, I can be quite sure, had spent a lot of time in Jericho, had spent a lot of time going from house to house. And people in that town, people in that community, people knew who Zacchaeus was. People probably thought pretty small of Zacchaeus. Yeah, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was a very short man. But I also have to think, I also have to think that Zacchaeus felt very small of who he was. Zacchaeus had something gnawing on the inside of him, knowing that something in his life needed to change, that the life that he was living, the path that he was going on, was leading him into a dead end, and it was time to take a stand to who he had become. So Zacchaeus has this thought in his head that if Jesus, if this man Jesus, who's had so many people come and flock to him and he's transformed so many people's lives, if Jesus can transform those lives, Jesus could surely transform mine, couldn't he? But what is it? But what's it going to cost him? I mean, the crowds of people are showing up. What are they going to think of me? I mean, if I stand up, everybody's going to know what I'm doing and everybody's going to call me out. Zacchaeus, you stand on the outside. Zacchaeus, you have no voice. Zacchaeus, you've been the one that has done so many awful things. Zacchaeus, this party ain't for you. Zacchaeus, go home. This is, this is our guy. But Zacchaeus knows that Something needs to change. 
I think we all can identify with that, can't we? I mean, if we all step back and take an inventory on what's going on in our lives, I think we all have this inner tug of something that needs to be changed, something that needs to be transformed. Or maybe it's someone in your life who who is making decision after decision that's killing them. And you know that you need to take a stand to what they're doing. You need to speak the truth and love to them, but, but in doing so, it's going to risk your relationship. And so something needs to be done, but, but someone else, that's someone else's problem. That's asking too much of me. Oh, we, we all need to take a stand, don't we? Francois had been approached by Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela had said, Francois, I need your help. Francois, I need you to stand up. Francois, we're sitting in a country that's threatening to go to civil war. And Francois, I know you probably think that you're pretty small in this situation. I know you think that you probably don't have that big of a platform to stand on, but Francois, I need you, I need you to get this thing going with me. So Francois has his first layer that he needs to get on board, and that's his own team, and it, well, it doesn't go very well. Take a look. Francois hands out the the new national anthem. He says, this is our new song. This is our new anthem. This is what we need to stand behind. This is, this is going to be who we are as a people. And his teammates say, that's, that's their song. That's not for us. It's a terrorist song. Francois says, no, it's so much greater than that. If you only knew the story of the song, it means God bless Africa. It means God bless Africa. And we could all use that. Christian's mom finally called me another time and she said, Jeremy, it's, it's time. Jeremy, we're going to have to do an intervention on Christian. And Jeremy, we'd love if you'd be a part of it. So the day before the intervention, we met as a family. We met at a treatment center and we all gathered around a table with, with the counselor who was going to lead the intervention. And I'll never forget as each family member was sharing, sharing their story, Christian's sister, his little sister, she started crying and she looked at her mom and she said, Mom, what, what if it doesn't work? What if we never see him again? Mom, how can we do this? Her mom looked at her daughter, Christian's sister, and with tears in her eyes, she said, my love compels me to do it. I can't not do it. I can't stand idly by any longer. It's time to take a stand. Zacchaeus sees the crowd and sees how they've gathered to see this Jesus, to see this man, to see this anointed one, this person who had, who had spoken in ways that no, with authority that nobody, no mere human could speak the way Jesus had spoken. And he had, he'd healed people and he'd performed miracles and 
And he's coming through town and Zacchaeus thinks, oh, I need something of that. My life feels so empty. My life feels so void. My life feels so meaningless, so, so void of purpose. And, but he sees that he's, well, it appears as if he's too late. But he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus, well, Zacchaeus climbs a tree, but I think we could also say Zacchaeus goes out on a limb. Zacchaeus takes a chance. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus has the audacity to think that this God, this Jesus, might actually be for him. And Jesus sees him and calls him out by name. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Maybe you feel small because you don't feel known. Jesus knows you. Jesus has come. Jesus came to die on a cross. Jesus came in flesh and blood to take a stand, to take a stand for you so, so that in believing in him, he will come and he will come make home in your heart. Your body is a temple in which the spirit of the living God resides, in which the spirit of the living God dwells within. The, the God who raised from the dead, lives in you, and he is dying. He is asking you, will you believe in that? Will you have faith in that? Will you trust in that? Will you follow that? Will you stand up for the love that I have come to give through you? Oh, it can seem so often like we are so small, like we don't have a lot to give, but God has given you all that you need. God has given more than enough to you to transform the world around you, to take a stand for the things that need to be stood for in your life, to take a stand for the people around you who are caught in cycles that prevent them from seeing what the truth that lies in front of them really is. Where do you need to take a stand? I mean, I think it's a question we all have to ask ourselves continually. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus is transformed. Zacchaeus' life is changed forever. You see, because when we take a stand, radical things happened. This Springbok team, this South African team who wasn't very good, they rally behind an anthem of something far greater from themsel of, than themselves. And they change the world around them. They take a stand and not only do they win the World Cup, but they take the first steps to unite a country. Take a look. It's just a rugby match, isn't it? 
But as South Africa wins the World Cup, the country unifies in proclaiming an anthem that says, God bless Africa, in their own language. For some of them in a language that they don't even know that seems so foreign to them. But they come together and they see that the anthem that they've now been called to is so much greater than what they bring to the table. That the cause that they've been called to is bigger than what they have inside of themselves, but, but they've been called to it together by something that's far greater than themselves. Paul writes in Romans 8, So there now is no condemnation for those of you who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to Him, the power, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, God took a stand for you. God stood up and went to the cross to free you, to give you life so that His Spirit would live in you. And with that Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the death, dead, you can change the world. You can stand for the things that seem so much beyond your control. That You can stand for the people and have courage and take faith that God will stand with you. That God will transform you and God will transform the circumstances that surround you because he died for it Zacchaeus was a wee little man but it wasn't about Zacchaeus it was about the power that comes through Christ to set you free to set us all free so that we can sing an anthem that stands for so much that we can sing an anthem that will give school supplies to the city of Des Moines where we can sing an anthem that will can unite those who seem so distant from one another. So would you stand and pray with me?